So let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. I'm Emily Jordan, and I'm here as always with my sweet husband, Andrew, and his grandparents. Hello, Cottons. Hello. Cottons. (laughs) Hi, Grandma. Hi, Grandpa. Well, they... They have uh, graciously agreed to let us grill them with some terribly difficult questions. Uh, now, we, we were in Utah recently for their 50th wedding anniversary. Uh, we were out there and they got a cabin up in Bear Lake and I ate way too much raspberry ice cream, and raspberry shakes, and, mm-hmm. and the kids had way too much fun. It took them like a week to detox from all the fun that they had. Oh, yeah. They were, uh, they were like wired and they, we, the, the day that we, the next day after we got home, Hiram was like, our life is so boring. You're so mean. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> so <laughs> it's all right. It took us some time too. Okay. Yes. Well, and it was quite, quite the, uh, the event. We didn't see our kids very much at all while we were there. Even our, our kids aren't that yet, aren't, aren't that old, but they were still with all the cousins and, um, our family dynamics are really, really fun because grandma and grandpa decided to bless the world with eight children. So, (laughs) so their youngest is only like five years older than us. Yeah. Nicole, um, their youngest is just a a few years older than me. And so we grew up and we were really close and uh, some of our kids are older than some of their kids. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a crazy, crazy dynamic. So how many, how many are we now? In total? Yes. Okay. Um, well, figure this out. Okay, I, have I will eight count. Children with spouses, that's 16. I have 32 grandchildren. Oh gosh, okay. You got it. And 48. I have, I have 12 great grandchildren. So 60. There we go. Okay. Now, and then there's you two. So 62. Five, yeah. And then there's Five married grandchildren. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. So there would be another five with their spouses. So, so 67. 67. Yes. Wow. That's a big family. Yeah. And then there were several, <laughs> several boyfriends that were brought up as well. I don't know if anybody brought their girlfriends. But yes, there were several there boyfriends. Were, there were some girlfriends or a girlfriend at least. Yes. There was a fiance. Yeah. Yep. Who am I thinking? Who am I missing? Um, Sam's Carly. Oh, that's right. She was and there. Carly. Yeah. What was the problem having such a big house? Like, I didn't even talk to some of the cousins for, for very long. I know. Yeah. I just kind of went from place to place, and it was really fun because everybody did what they wanted, and I joined in when I wanted. Yes. <laughs> and escaped when you wanted. And to escaped escape. when, she, when she wanted. I really didn't feel like I needed to escape too much. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I was trying to see everybody. Yeah. Make sure everybody knew how glad we were that they came. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's sweet. But yeah. honestly, if I sat down and thought that 50 years ago that I would have a family that big, it's mind boggling. 
And my mother was an only child. And so I didn't know that. Yes. Her, her parents were never able to have another child. And so she was, before she died, she was just so excited and blessed at her posterity. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Grandma Nancy, she was a, she was an awesome lady. She, she passed away while I was on my mission. I think I was a year into my mission. It's been about eight years. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was, yeah, I was on my mission when she passed away and she was awesome. I love grandma. I don't, the main thing I remember about grandma is caramel squares, open face grilled cheese sandwiches, <laughs> uh, a tire swing. And then, oh gosh, what was it? I remember the, the jackalope thing that they had on their wall. Like you <laughs> open the door and there was a jackalope, like a mounted jackalope. Which is like a, like a, a rabbit with, with horns or the antlers. Yeah. Is that real? Is that no. a real animal? No. No. <laughs> oh, gosh. No. It was my, my dad got that to tell all the grandkids that it were real because they, it was real because he thought it was hilarious when they would do stuff, you know, so but funny. I yeah. remember he took your mom to a restaurant and she, he goes, you're not able to finish. And she said, yeah. He goes, so you need a doggy bag? And she said, yeah, I do. And he said, okay, just sit there and you just sit there and start barking and they'll bring you one. <laughs> Did she? Yes. So, he thought well, it was she, the funniest thing ever. So she was like 19 at the time? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> oh man. Oh, no, the, she wasn't the- 19. She was probably four or five. Man. That's so cute. One of the things I really remember about grandma, and I'm when I say things I remember I'm really talking about like when I was a little kid mm-hmm. like yeah. younger than younger than 10 um was every time I'd come to her house she would let me use the computer and she would have like the the, the games that were built into the computer back then where it was like Minesweeper or Solitaire mm-hmm. or Paint that was the one that oh, I yeah. would use all the time at her house that's funny yeah Cute. yeah so it's amazing to see our posterity what a blessing yeah that's a huge blessing so amazing. Yeah. Well, one great thing that I love about the family and, and I'm super impressed by what you guys have been able to do is, um, you know, not all of, while you, the family was built on principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not all of our family members have, you know, decided to remain members of the church or remain active in the faith. And yet there's still a very loving environment between all the family members, right? Like there's not like a, a strong sense of judgment or of um, distance or anything like that. Like there's, uh, there's a strong familial bond between all of us. At least I feel so. so that way. Yeah, yeah. You'll find out very quickly that our family gets together and it's just a bunch of hugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's so but, true. You know, we really worked hard on that because we taught our children when they were growing up, that everybody was important. Everybody was a son or daughter of our heavenly father. And that we didn't love people because they did what we wanted. We loved them because of who they are, that they were children of our heavenly father. And these are our family members. And when someone chose not to be with that, we did discuss the fact that the best thing that we could do for them was just to love them. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, I think that kind of segues into the reason, one of the big reasons we wanted to have you on the podcast today is our generation is, um, you know, people of, of our generation, of, of Emily and I, my, my generation, are really struggling in the church, right? And so there's lots of people who are leaving the church or lots of people who are um, staying in the church, but have become very, very antagonistic. And we wanted to have you two on since you've, you know, been married for, for 50 years and you guys both have pretty different backgrounds when it comes to being raised to your relationship to the church, right? I mean, grandma, on, on your side, on, on, on your side, we are, we've been, our family has been in the church since the beginning and grandpa on your line, you are the beginning, right? <laughs> so uh, I think you're going to have some really interesting perspectives and we want to see what lessons uh, our listeners can gain from, from your experience and how we can apply what you've learned uh, in your 50 years of, of marriage and, and specifically marriage, uh, covenant marriage, and how that can apply to, to young married people and, and all married people, but specifically young married members of the church um, as we try and navigate all of the craziness of today's world. So let's start at the very beginning. How did you meet? Okay, that's going to tell it right. Story. <laughs> yes. Um, I had a half brother. My dad was married before. And I had never met him. There was some antagonism there. And I had never met him. In fact, I did not know that I even had a half brother until I was like 13. Mm-hmm. And so when I found out my... Um, dad's mother saw my grandmother sent me his address I had asked for the address and so I wrote to him and he wrote me back and he came and visited and we instantly hit it off he and I were very close we felt like we'd known each other before we had similar likes and dislikes and how much older was he than you four years okay so when I met him, he was on his way to Vietnam. He came, he had been in, he was in the army and he had come, he had a 30 day leave. And so he came and stayed with us for that 30 days before he left to go to Vietnam. And so when he was writing home, he would write me letters and he said, I met this really great guy and I'm gonna baptize him, a member of the church. He's amazing, you should write to him. And I said, I'm not writing any of your dumb friends. <laughs> I, I have no problem believing that you said exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's very true. I did. I did have a boyfriend at the time. I was. I'd been dating for somebody mm-hmm. for a long time, and um, it was probably a loser. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> but so I. I was still. So he came home from Vietnam. And he said, I'm still going to baptize this, this young man. And you really need to marry him. He's just an amazing person. And I'm like, I don't know what you're smoking, but they don't have arranged marriages now. And (laughs) if I was born when they had arranged marriages, I wouldn't have done it. And arranged marriages were arranged by the parents, not the brothers. 
Especially <laughs> not the stepbrother that you've only known for. Yeah, <laughs> for we were How really close, so I didn't. I didn't feel like it was because I didn't know him. I was just like, yeah, no thanks, you know. <laughs> so, and then he came to Japan. He went to Japan, back to Japan, and he wrote me and said, "So, I did baptize this guy. I do want you to write to him." And I said, "No, still not writing your friends." I have nothing to say to him. What do I know about him? And um, we just kind of laughed. So my younger sister did write him and it was just like, how are you? What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And when he left the service, when my brother came home, he says, I'm going to get him to come out here. I'm like, whatever. So he had talked to him and he flew into Salt Lake for, oh, I don't know, a week maybe before he went home after he was released from the air force. And that was when we met. So, 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 to give you, so to give you a little update. Okay. While she was going through all that she was going through <clears throat> in Vietnam, I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I was being asked questions about my beliefs and things. And I was not afraid to discuss religion. Mm-hmm. And we had some good talks and we became the best of friends in Vietnam because neither one of us would drink or smoke. And so that made it very easy for us to want to stay together the whole time at our unit. <clears throat> and then one day he comes to me and he says, Tim, he says, I bet, I bet that you will, um, you and I are going to be stationed at the next duty station together. And as we, as we were talking about that, then we both kind of laughed saying, yeah, what are the odds of that? Cause it doesn't happen that often. Right. So it came time for him to, he, he was about 60 days out before I had to leave and it was his turn to leave Vietnam and his orders were for Northern Japan. And then before he left, I got my orders and I was going to Southern Japan. And he said, wow. He said, well, at least I got the right country, didn't I? And we had a big laugh over that. In the meantime, while I was going home on leave for my 30 day leave, he was transferred from Northern Japan down to my unit. And I get into Southern Japan and I see him on the street one day. He said, what in the world are you doing here? He says, I got transferred down here. Two months later, I was, I've had the missionary discussions and, and uh, I decided that yes, the church was of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is what I wanted to be involved with. And I did join the church. And then he kept saying after that, you're going to, see my sister one day, you're going to come home and fall in love and want to marry her. And I'm sitting there going, Oh yeah. Uh huh. Sure. I am. <laughs> Cause I was a very quiet person. One who wasn't very outgoing, hardly even dated in high school. So what he was telling me was just way off the, off the wall. <laughs> yeah. It's, cause, it's just cause your spirit knew that there was someone so much better than anyone at your high school that it wasn't even worth your time. Dating. That's what it was. <laughs> That's what it was. So tell us about your um, uh, your family's reaction to you joining the church. When I when I first was uh, trying to find out about the church, I wrote my parents and I said, "Let me know what you think of this church." I'm I'm being honest. I'm, I'm talking to people and I want to find out what you think. They never really wrote back and told me anything. I just got a book one day in the mail that said, is, is Mormonism Christian? And as I started reading through that, I could tell right away that it was just full of things that weren't really true. And so 
I, I just kind of decided that, okay, I, I don't have to talk to my parents about this anymore. I'm 21. Uh, I'll make my own decision. And that's when I decided to join the church. So you came back home for a little while and met. Yes. So How long I, did it take before you guys fell in love? Well, and I when told, did you know? I told Joe that I was getting discharged and that I was going to Dallas. And he said, well, why don't you come out to Salt Lake City? And, you know, stop from Oakland, go to Salt Lake City, and then Salt Lake City to Dallas. And I said, oh, yeah, that sounds fun. I'll, I'll schedule my flights that way because I was going to, he was going to teach me how to ski. I'd never been snow skiing before. And so I would get in town and uh, at the airport, uh, Joe is there with his sister, Kathy, and his other sister, Libby. And two days later, Kathy and I were engaged. Two days later? Two days later. Two days? <laughs> you have to understand, though, that sounds really short, but he was staying in the same house. So we yeah. met each other Saturday night, and we sat and talked for a long time. We sat and talked all day Sunday. Um, Ooh, we, yeah, we were just... I think I, I went to school on Monday because I was in college, and... Um, and then we went to a basketball game Monday night. And it was after that that we decided. So it wasn't like two days and you saw each other for an hour or two a day. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, it was a lot longer than that. But wow. you're right. Two days is shocking. Yeah. So how did you know, like, how, yeah. How did you know that you were supposed to be married and be together for happily ever after and eternity? The funny thing is, is before I left Japan, Jeff always kept a picture of Kathy up on his bookshelf. Joe. Or Joe kept a picture of Kathy on, on a shelf he had at one of our Japanese homes. And one day the thought came to me, you know, maybe not Joe's not crazy. Maybe you really are going to marry this girl. Mm -hmm. and, that's, and then that, you know, but me going, oh, this can't be true. So anyway... Well, and he was doing the same to me. He says, you really need to marry this person. And I, I was completely stubborn. In fact, I had thrown a fit and said I wasn't going to the airport with him. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he just said, oh, come on. Quit being so mean. Be nice to me and come and, and meet my friend. And so the behavior just, of so many of my aunts and therefore so many of your daughters makes so much more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably there's kind of a stubborn streak in that. Yes. But unfortunately, it's in all my children, not just the girls. Yes. There is a stubborn is streak. There is definitely a stubborn streak. So I did, I decided to go. And, um, but through the conversation, I thought, you know, we do have a lot of things in common. Mm -hmm. And I did feel like there was a connection. People have asked me and said, well, there would be so many things you didn't know about each other. I'm like, you know, that's really true. There was. But I knew through, through the spirit, really, it, I just knew that that was who I was supposed to marry. I, it was just a strong confirmation by the Holy Ghost that that was who mm -hmm. I was supposed to marry. Did I know a lot of stuff? No. Did I know how he squeezed the toothpaste? No. <laughs> And, and he works from the bottom and I just squish. 
Yeah, I squish too, and he works from the bottom. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's more efficient, ladies. It's more well, efficient. I'm just telling you, this works because he just moves it up from the bottom, and then I squish it. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that right, Emily? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and what a uh, a legacy you've left for all of your family, because a lot of us have followed a similar uh, dating tracks. Yeah. It is. I know all of all of uh, my my siblings. We've all fairly in fairly short order after starting to date our, our spouses, or then I guess for Landon and his current fiance, uh, we knew the decision was quick. Yeah, the decision was pretty quick, right? Yep. And yep. when the spirit speaks, there's not a lot of reason to to dilly dally. Right, there's not, there's not, and even Nicole that will say, "Well, I took longer." I have to remind her that. She came home from high school and um, her husband was in her seminary class. And she said, mom, I just met the guy that I want to marry. No. And she thought that when she was still in high school. Yeah. I remember this conversation. You do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I hung out with Nicole and her friends all the time. Like I, I, I tagged along when mm-hmm. I was out there for the summer. Um, yeah, but and I, she did. And, you know, she broke up. Um, they kind of broke up and were gone for a while and got back together before he left for his mission and then got married when they came home. Yep. As soon as he started speaking that Italian to her, she got a weak need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she she knew before he came home that that was who she wanted to marry. She just had to let him figure it out. You know, <laughs> He needed to know. And it, when he came home, I, I'm i pretty sure that she wasn't the only one he dated. He dated somebody else, too, but decided fairly quick that that's who they wanted to marry. So my kids have known really quick. And it was a blessing to me that I had done that so that I didn't worry about the yeah. decision. You know, yeah. I mean, a lot of parents do worry when they get you know, right, I mean, right. even, like even Chris and Brittany were that way. And she, he met her when she was still in high school and he knew he wanted to marry her. And she said, she called him and told him that she was marrying somebody else. And he said, well, you're not supposed to marry him. You're supposed to marry me. Well, you know, Brittany, that made her mad, you know? <laughs> but she did eventually break it up. And then he it's came like, fine, to me I'll show and you. said, I know. He came to me and said, um, you know, that girl that I was telling you about? And I said, yeah. And he said, she wrote me this letter and she wants to start dating again. And I said, well, then if that was your confirmation, what are you worrying about? I think you should say this. And he said, well, she went to marry somebody else. I said, well, she obviously didn't marry him. She figured out that she was wrong. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. You get that spiritual confirmation, and most of the time, it will work out if you give it time. Yeah, yeah. love it. Grandpa, yes. um, do you have anything else you want to add to this one? Like, how did, how did you know that uh, you wanted to, to marry Grandma? I mean, because Grandma had been, you'd grown up in the church, and so you've had a longer, I would say, a longer exposure to spiritual promptings and following promptings. Um, so grandpa, you've been a member only a few months at this point. Um, 
by the time I got back to the United States, I've been a member of church a year and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you've been a member for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So how did, how did you know that this was a decision you wanted to make? It was, it's like, like grandma said, it was, it was just something that comes over you and said, yes, I'm supposed to be with this person. Mm-hmm. So you know, what, what do you fight then? I understand the feeling. <laughs> yep. that, that, <laughs> actually, that, actually, that actually gives you the strength to follow through mm-hmm. when you feel that way. You know, yeah, if I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have had a confirmation like that, I'd have kept my mouth shut because I was so quiet and I'd have gotten on the plane and flown to Dallas. So you should know at this point, after he'd asked me to marry him and we decided we were engaged, that he had not yet told his parents that he had joined the church. Oh, <laughs> they did not know. So yeah. that was an interesting conversation, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was been fun. Well, I think we could probably spend the rest of the time talking about uh, about this history and background and then your grandpa, your interactions with, with your father over a lifetime. I mean, some of that has only been, has recently begun to be resolved, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but so uh, that might we might have to have you on again and talk about that at some point. But to get back to our main topic for today, um, what struggles did young married couples in the church face when you were first married? So you were married about the time of Vietnam, right? So also a tumultuous time in the world and in the country and, and uh, perhaps in the church. I'm not really that, that familiar. That volume of saints has not come out yet. So I've not read <laughs> about church history in, in the seventies. So. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. It, it's, it's one of those things where um, the one good thing I'd learned about the church when I was in Japan is to trust trust the leaders of the church, trust, trust the gospel plan, trust all of those things, which we're told on a daily basis, you know, to have our prayers and to, you know, read our scriptures and things of that nature. And I was actually doing some of that before I joined the church. And that's why maybe it made it so easy for me to join the church. But um, that is the way that we said we were going to raise our family. We, we agreed before we even were married, how we would raise our children, how we would raise the family. And, and uh, <coughs> excuse me. And that was the, uh, one of the best things we ever did, really, because once we established what we were doing, we didn't deviate from it. And um, it was very, very important to us that we would raise up our children uh, in this manner to, to trust in Heavenly Father and to learn about him and to read the scriptures and go forward with life in that manner. So the differences between us and others, <clears throat> many, many of our friends did the same thing. We had a lot of good close friends that did the same type of thing. And we were kind of a support group together. But I think as I look back on it, one of the things I noticed is when I was uh, going to college, just after we were married, there would be many people that were, afraid to get married until they had their degree. And we did just the opposite. We were married and now we're going to start college. <laughs> and, and even though I did attend a college before going into the military, but that's why I can see back the differences between the two. And uh, 
by moving forward with that, faith says that you have to trust and believe that you're doing the right thing because you know that's what you're supposed to be doing. In fact, at the time, I think the general authorities even said, don't wait to have a family uh, when you go to church or go to school. Mm-hmm. It says it's important that you have your family immediately. And we, we followed through with that, didn't we? I think it's some of the same things that you hear now. Don't put off having your family. You know, there's even more. Um, there were some worldly things that even in the 70s that were saying, you need to do this first. You need to do this first. Get your degree. Get a house. Do some, Get some financial established. You know, be financially strong before you have a family, but not to the extent that it is now, you know, Mm -hmm. so you're still listening to your leaders. We decided we were having our family prayers. We were reading the scriptures where it wasn't a question of, are we going to church? It was, it's Sunday, you go to church. So there wasn't a question in our family. So that makes for a, um, It's just one thing that you don't have to cross, you know, just one other thing you don't have to argue about. If you've decided before that that's what you're doing, it's just taken care of. It's like when you're a teenager, you decide you're not going to drink. You don't have to keep making that decision. Are you going to drink that beer or have that alcoholic drink that is, you just know that that's not, it's one thing to say that. And so there were a lot of that, um, Did we financially struggle more because we had so many children? Our sixth child was born the same time grandpa graduated. Oh, my goodness. He graduated with his master's degree when we had child number six. (laughs) I thought we were were ambitious with with our uh, third child being born as I was graduating. I that was just my bachelor self. So grandpa did have a couple of years of he did have his school. master's degree, you know, but our first four were born our fourth one was born like two months after the first one turned four. So we had literally four under four. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> And I look at it and, you know, people would say, how do you do it? And I'm like, I don't know. You just do it. You know, I didn't, I didn't notice any difference. People said, oh, it's hard with the third one. I didn't notice that. I noticed it was hard with the fourth. It was Mm -hmm. a little bit harder to adjust and harder to do things. But um, you just did it because that was what you knew you were supposed to do. And, you know. Heavenly Father just knew when those spirits were supposed to come and they came when they were supposed to. Yeah, I really admire your your faith and your willingness to act on promptings and to trust the Lord. I think that's something that we we all need to be learning and teaching our children to do the same. So it's thank harsh. you for your it's example. Hard sometimes, you know, there's times where you um when when we did have our sixth child and grandpa had graduated, there was a big recession. He couldn't find a job. So we had six kids and he was out of work for a year. So Mm -hmm. we lived off our food storage and we're very grateful that we did have that food storage because we lived off of it for a year, but we were blessed in that he got jobs 
um, temporary jobs that he would work that we were able to continue to pay our house payment and things like that. So we were really blessed for that. Um, the one thing that we did find was that other people would say to us, you guys are, I don't understand what you've done wrong, that you have so many hardships, that this has come upon you. And I, it took me a while to realize that, you know, these aren't necessarily hardships. They're just blessings in disguise. Mm. Because some of those hardships, as, as you look back, as we look back and think about the year without work and six children, did we get upset sometimes? Yes. I remember crying because one of the kids ripped their pants. And I'm like, how in the world am I going to buy another pair of pants? You know? Mm -hmm. And and yet we got through that time. And we talked to our kids later. They had no idea. They really had no idea that we were so broke. They had... You know, you can be happy in any circumstances, but it's such a blessing. And there were so many things that we learned from that hardship that right. it really was a blessing in disguise. Man, so I love this. There's so many of those. Yeah. You know, there was, there, was, there was a time also, just to give you an idea of blessings, <clears throat> uh, it came down to the fact that money did eventually run out. I was down to literally like $32 in my checking account, my bank account. And it was time to pay a house payment. So I said, okay, I could either go cry to the church and see if they'll help me. But I said, I knew that first of all, they wanted us to go to our immediate family. So I went to my dad. And as you can tell, he, he was not a member of the church. Uh, but I still felt that I needed to talk to him. I said, dad, I said, can you loan me the money? I just got to get this payment done. And he basically said, you got yourself into it. You get yourself out of it. But I had taken the step to, to request it from him. Right. I knew I was supposed to. We drive home. We pull into the driveway. And there were boxes. Literally boxes of food on our front step. And I'm not talking about hamburger. I'm talking about steak, roasts, things that we never would have purchased ourselves. Orange juice. Yeah, plenty of things. And we lived in a neighborhood at the time because of the recession that there was 80% unemployment. And I went out to our mailbox after I got that into the house and there was an envelope. And I opened it up and there was a letter that says, when you're doing what the Lord wants you to do, he'll take care of you. And there was a check or well, actually it was cash for enough money to make my house payment. And that was almost like the low point of our life. And then Heavenly Father started blessing us with additional opportunities from that time forward. So too many times we look at difficulty as why me, why me? Don't look at it that way. Just look at it as an opportunity to strengthen yourself and to continue your faith and to keep calling upon your heavenly father. Keep continuing to read your scriptures. 
for he does listen to us and hear us. And he, he blesses us when we really do need it, if we've done everything we can. And then the fun thing about that was, is we didn't keep all that food ourselves. We shared it with our neighbors. And it was just a great, great opportunity and blessing to look back at that time. Uh, yeah, I have to tell you that he was probably, well, I, I know he was more positive than I was. And I was going to the room and I would be crying and feeling sorry for myself. And I said, I said to him one time, I said, how come you're always smiling? I feel like it's not just a bird crapping on my head. I feel like there's an elephant flying over my head, dumping on me. My sweet husband goes, that's why you have to smile. When it hits your head, it rolls down your cheeks and misses your mouth. <laughs> that is the most quintessential grandpa response I think I've ever heard. Oh my gosh, that's so Man. funny. So first off, that was amazing. I, I love that story. And again, I, I'm personally grateful for that legacy of faith that I, I'm still benefiting from now. Um, so thank you for that. And thank you for giving us a legacy that we can pass on to our kids and hopefully build on what you've, what you've built so far. So if I understand right, we can go back to the, the question we asked a few minutes ago. It, it sounds like the, the struggles that um, married couples in the church were facing when you were first married are similar to the ones we're facing now, just maybe less intense. Yes, yeah. it really is. So, and, go ahead. Oh, okay. So with that, um, you have a, like a unique perspective now because you are kind of watching this younger generation succeed and fail in different areas. Um, is there some maybe like overarching theme that you can see that like, wow, this generation is really struggling with this particular thing because we're in it and maybe it's a little more difficult for us to see, but, and maybe a little more obvious for you. I, I, one thing that I see is that people don't realize they don't have to have everything now. Mm -hmm. it, it's okay to work, save, and have something at a future date. And that's a, could be a goal for you. I'm totally amazed at how many people have to have the nicest cars now when they're just first married. They have to have the nicer homes right now. That's not what's important. What's important is humanity. And yeah. too many people, too many people think that, well, if I don't have as many nice things as so-and-so has, I must not be doing it right. And they're missing the point totally. They are. I think sometimes they still think that the blessings are material, temporal, material things. And the more important things are are the eternal things. I've I've told my kids and I and I remember your mom saying it before um, that if money can fix it, it's not an eternal thing. It's not something that you stress out. Now I know that not having money to pay your house payment and stuff like that's stressful. We've been there. Mm -hmm. 
But when money can't fix it, when you have a child that's very ill, when there's somebody that you love that's dying, money cannot fix that. That is something that's eternal. That is something that's significant. Um, our testimonies need to be eternal. I think that we need to be focused more on eternity than on the temporal. And I think that this day and age, I just have to reiterate what um, President Nelson has said, that we need to be close to the spirit. Because if we're not, we're not going to know the things that you need to do to help a child. You know, when you're close to the spirit, you can say, I know there's something this child needs. What can I do to help this child? What can I do for this? I remember one of the apostles saying that you should be close enough to the spirit that you would know that your shoe was untied without looking down. And I do not remember who said that, but I thought about this several times and I thought even more today, you need to be close to the spirit so that we're not deceived. Satan is still even more abundant in this world. If you're not close to the spirit, you can be deceived even being members of the church. You can yeah. see that as people fall away, that they have been deceived and it breaks my heart for them. But we need to stay closer to the iron rod. We need to hold on harder now mm -hmm. than we've yeah. ever had. And we need to teach our children the same. You know, it's, I, it's, I, go ahead, Grandpa. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say that uh, we always talk about members of the church right now just because we are, which is normal. But people don't realize, understand that I grew up attending different denominations as I was being raised. And I found out that there are just great people everywhere. Yeah, and of course. They, and they all need to adhere to the spiritual laws of, of reading their scriptures and to praying to their Heavenly Father and to doing all these things we can to get closer and closer to Him. And I think there are a lot of them that are doing that and are trying and can see the pitfalls that people are falling into. Yeah. One thing that came, that came to mind as you were talking about your, about your story when you were struggling financially and other people asking you what you had done wrong. I just kept thinking of Job because this is in this, this past week, we've been studying the, the book of Job uh, yes. across the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, one thing that I, I loved that I didn't realize until studying it this time was that Job wasn't an Israelite. He wasn't part of the, you know, the covenant. He was a good guy who knows from where or what religion he was a part of, but he wasn't an Israelite. He wasn't Hebrew. So he wasn't living according to the law of Moses, but he had somehow or another, he had developed a relationship with, with God. And it, based off the questions, and this is me kind of, um, you know, maybe reading into this a little bit, but based off the questions he was asking, he didn't really, he didn't have access to the, to the writings of Moses or to, to the scriptures as we understand them now. And so he, I don't even know what his perception of God was, but he was devoted to, to God because some part of his spirit knew that there is a God and he was devoted to him, whatever that meant. Um, 
And so I, I loved Job's example of righteous obedience to the light that he had. And then I love the message that the Lord conveys to us through the story of Job that struggles have nothing to do with your righteousness or not. Like the struggles come to the righteous and to the wicked, uh, but yes, our, but our reaction to those, to those struggles, that's, that defines us. That doesn't define God. There, yes. was, there was another great part of that story that, that I was thinking about. And that was, you saw how many friends turned on Job. Yeah, which good friends me, who came and like sat down with him for eight days in the dirt. Right? Yeah. I, I don't know how many friends I have that would come sit down with me in the dirt and ashes for eight <laughs> days. Uh, and then they, they turn on them. But, but the importance to me was, is that we need to be still in tune with the spirit to see not how we can tear people down, but how we can build them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so one thing um, I think this leads into this, might answer my, my next question, but one thing I loved about your response when we asked what types of things are, do you see young members of the church or young believing people in general struggling with struggling with your response was so much simpler than the response that most people in our generation give when we're diagnosing ourselves. Um, It's, I feel like our generation is just obsessed with this idea of nuance and, and like complex explanations of things. And we, I don't know why, I don't know what it is, but like there's a, a, a desire for quote unquote nuance that basically results in people struggling with their faith. And I love your response. Basically you got, you have to be, you have to simplify guys. You have to be focused on, um, you have to be focused on the eternal things and understand that temporal things are temporal and eternal things are eternal and temporal blessings can still be sought after and you can still gain them. I just realize that it's not going to, it, it can't, the temporal blessings can't be our primary priority. If we, yes. if, if they are our primary priority, then we miss out on the long-term eternal spiritual blessings. Right. And I think this definitely reminds me of a scripture in the book of Mormon. I don't remember where it's at, but it says that spiritually minded is life eternal. And the acronym that I like learned in seminary for that is smile. Spiritually minded is life eternal. And that's what makes you happy is when you are spiritually minded and that's, what's going to bring you eternal life. Those are the important things. So wh- where is that at? Are you looking It's at? in Romans. Never mind. It's in Romans. Romans 8. Definitely thought it was the Book of Mormon. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I think there's another one. Okay. Well, that it's, one, it's the uh, same, same meaning, yeah. even if it uh, isn't so, the exact verse you're looking for. You know, that works. The other thing that I just thought of when you were saying that, Emily, was that I got so that when... I was facing something that was hard for me or someone has been facing something difficult. You get to make a choice and the choice is not whether you get to face that. The choice is how are you going to respond to that? Is it going to make you a better person or is it going to make you a bitter person? Mm -hmm. And it's your choice. Yeah, I love that. 
Thank you for sharing that. I needed that right now. Yeah. So I, I did find that verse Emily was, was quoting Second Nephi 9, verse 39. Remember, to be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life eternal. Right. That's and that's exactly what you're talking about, Grandma. Like you could, um, like I, I would, um, so I have been thinking a lot about this idea lately about how life is not about being happy. It's about finding, finding meaning and meaning frequently means that you're happy and you find happiness in meaning, but the meaning is what's more, more important. Right. Um, and it, that's the thing that brings deep lasting joy, even if it's not the same thing as like surface level happiness, which might also surface level happiness might be replaced with the word pleasure. Right. So it's, it's not about pleasure seeking. It's about finding deep meaning. And when we choose to be spiritually minded and have internal perspective and choose not to be bitter, that's when we, we have life eternal. We have we have meaning, we find meaning in life. But if we are carnally minded, then our lives become devoid of meaning because then we just, we find that there's no purpose in things. Because if there's a purpose in things, then we're not bitter, right? Mm-hmm. If we, if, you so, yeah, so, yeah. Good. And it's just a choice you make. And I think that that's freeing to realize that you get to choose for that. And when you focus on eternity, I've thought oftentimes I've been to funerals of people that are not, that do not have that eternal perspective that we have. And it's devastating for them. Yeah. Devastating. But if you think about the funerals that I've gone to, that I've been a part of, there have been times that we've laughed You know, I remember laughing at both of my moms and dads for different things. I remember laughing at Brendan's and that was probably one of the hardest ones I've been to as your little two-year-old brother. Mm -hmm. And yet we all laughed at certain things that happened because it was, it wasn't, it wasn't devastating. We knew that he was not just gone that we had a chance to be with him again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the cool things is again, as you focus on, as you focus on eternal meaning on like on life eternal, you try to be spiritually minded. um, Those experiences naturally become meaningful as opposed to meaning depriving right? Because if you become bitter, it just deprives you of meaning. It takes away meaning from your life. And that just leaves you bitter and angry. That's right. And I think that's why that grandpa and I knew that we were to be married because there was an eternal perspective there. We felt like we'd known each other before, mm-hmm. you know, so that it wasn't, it wasn't a temporary thing. And so Anybody that didn't understand that and only saw it on a temporal temporal level instead of a spiritual or an eternal level, it was why it's so difficult for them to understand because there's no, there's no understanding of that other level that is right. the most that is the most meaningful. Yeah, right. 
I, I feel like you guys do such a good job of embodying what President Nelson has asked us to do so frequently, which is to simplify. And Emily and I have been talking about this a lot recently. How, how do we simplify our lives and what we're doing? And I feel like it's that's a, it's really hard for me because my natural tendency is to like to complicate things, to like complexity, <laughs> and to like 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 detailed analysis and and breakdowns. But I, I just love how it seemed like all of your answers really embodied the the simpleness that I want to you know imbue our lives with. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. a little hint. It wasn't always, we understand the complications and all that stuff, you know, imagine Uh the busyness of eight kids and all that stuff. You're really trying to declutter all the time. Mm -hmm. You truly are. You're just, and you will know what you need to take care of. And it's easier to say, simplify, simplify, simplify when you're in our part (laughs) than it is when you're in your part so don't be hard on yourself thank you (laughs) I appreciate that we might have to cut that and put that back into the (laughs) (laughs) still technically recording yeah don't be hard on yourself because give yourself what give yourself a chance to make some mistakes because nobody was perfect nobody's perfect and yet we so often want ourselves to be, and we beat ourselves up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I know this cause I did this earlier today. You know, I was beating myself up over something and I'm just like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. And yet there's that little voice. No, it's not. You should have done this. You should have done that, but it is. Yeah. And I think for me, the big thing that I'm really concerned about is, I see how like rapidly the world is descending into a fiery pit of crap and <laughs> chaos. And I'm like, okay, our kids need, like, I just want to provide as much support and give them like the best possible start so that they're okay. capable. Of so you stuff. should know that when we were in your, at your age, we too felt like the earth was, falling apart, that things were descending, that they were dropping down into this. My kids used to say, oh, and they play this game. I'm falling into the fiery pit of the devil. <laughs> and, and they would stand on the couches or you can't step on the floor. It's the fiery pit of the devil. <laughs> you know, um, we felt that way too. And I can look at it and I can say, it's worse now than it was when my kids were growing up. But my mom also felt that way. And it was worse for my time than when my kids are growing up. And it'll be worse for your ki- grandkids than your kids. Maybe, mm. unless yeah. the millennium comes. Let's hope, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, just, you just pray for that. But... I just think you still do the same things. Yeah. You just, no, I think you're right. It's eternal. You've got to make sure that they understand that what's important is eternal. Is it important you made the basketball team? 
No, that's sad. But what does that do to your eternal perspective? Yeah. You know, I said to I said to one one time somebody that was making one of my children very sad because he was the scoutmaster and they he decided that all of those kids that were under him were going to get be an Eagle Scout. And I had one that did not want to be. <laughs> and he told him that he wasn't going to be able to do this. He wasn't going to be able to do that. And I finally went to him and I said, okay, back off. You're making this kid not even want to come to church because you're attacking him all the time. And he said, well, you've got to have this. He's got to be an Eagle Scout or and I, it made me mad, unfortunately. And I looked at him and said, you show me where. It requires you to be Eagle Scout to get your temple recommend or enter the celestial kingdom. Then I will put the importance on it that you seem to be putting on it. But until then, <laughs> back off. <laughs> yeah. And now our kids aren't even going to have a chance to be an Eagle Scout. So <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad that program. that Scoutmaster was proven to be wrong. <laughs> Well, you know, it's, it was really hard because it was super important to them, to everyone back then that their kids were Eagle Scouts. But if you've got one that for some reason just does not want to be it and can't stand that person, you have to respect that to a certain point. Yeah. And, you know, and it really shocked him that I said that to him. And I probably hurt his feelings, but I'm like, your feelings are not as important as my son's wanting to come to church. We have one last question for you. And that is, I'm sure after 50 years of marriage, you've, you've created your outpost of heaven, your home, that is your Christ-centered home. And you've maintained it in several different ways over 50 years, I'm sure. But what are you doing right now? in this phase of marriage to create and maintain your outpost of heaven. I'll show you one. Oh, you're holding hands. They're holding hands, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to continue to develop that relationship between the mm -hmm. two of us. Although we don't have unmarried children anymore, you know, there's still that relationship there there's still things that we do together we um we say our prayers you know we talk about scripture study we do stuff like that we attend the temple you know right now we have the blessing of working in the temple and we get to go with each other each week and um, work in the temple and that is a special thing to go and come home together. Yeah, that's special. No, and it's just not, and it's still not a question of what we do on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Get up and go to church. And we do our callings. Yeah. Else to do. Well, thank you so much, you guys. We love you so much. Thank you for being on our podcast. Last oh. question on, on that. Okay. Andrew what is your more. favorite date? Your favorite, favorite date. date we've been on? Not date you've been on, but like thing you do now. Actually, and then also date you've been on. Now I'm curious to know what's your favorite date <laughs> you've been on over the last 50 years. Wow. I think my favorite date that we went on was on our first year anniversary. 
we went back to the temple and we were asked to be a part, a special part of that endowment session. And that was something that's always stood out was that we would do that. And um, as I was looking at the date, I thought, wow, we can't go to the temple this day on our exactly on our anniversary because it happens to be a Sunday, but we will go before celebrate that. That's one of the things that we like to do to go and the temple together. But the things that we do now, we'll just decide that we want to go out to dinner. We'll decide to go for a ride. We'll decide to go watch a movie if, if there's something on that we decide. So we just spend time together. Yeah. Thank you for your example. I, I just, I love this conversation. So thank you so much. Yeah. And I, I'm so really grateful that, um, yeah, I'm really grateful that we're able to record this conversation. So like when our kids are a little bit older, I can say, Hey, look, here's your great, only one great, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> the, the, the generations in our family are so cattywampus. It's so confusing to try and keep it straight just because there's so many lines, <laughs> layers, but yeah, here's your great grandparents and, and their example and legacy of faith. And uh, I, I love, I didn't know all the details of, of the, of these stories that we've discussed before today. Uh, and so I love hearing it because I see, I, I see echoes of your guys's experience in, in our lives right now. Um, and it's a, like, again, I'm just so grateful to see that our efforts make a difference, right? I, 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 I know that because your efforts are reflected in, in our lives and the things that we're just, we're choosing to do. And it gives me hope that like the, the good choices we're trying to make and the sacrifices we're making will leave a legacy. We'll be able to build on the legacy you've given us and we'll be able to pass it on to our kids and so on and so forth. So I love you guys dearly. I've loved you way before Emily did. So I get brownie yeah. points. We love, <laughs> we love both of you and we're so proud of all the things that you're doing. You're sweet. Thank you. Well, guys, if you've loved our podcast, this episode or any other episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and share with your friends. We appreciate it. We love you guys. Keep your faith. Bye.